once you start comparing it, everything is apples to oranges, right? It's like, you know, one person's desire to live together or like, you know, like, you know, moving to another city worth 10 sex when you don't actually want to have sex. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So today... I've been thinking a lot about, so let me just give some context behind like personal stuff that's been happening in my life. So I was previously living in Washington, D.C. And then I moved to Philadelphia to live with my boyfriend, right? And now, after the <laughs> quarantine is happening, I'm moving back to D.C. It's lit. Because I'm, I'm realizing that it's like way, way, way too much to try to focus on like taking a major step in your relationship and trying to build a business and being in quarantine all at the same time. <laughs> you know? It's, like, already difficult to just go from, like, being long distance for, like, four years to, like, actually living together. And then yeah. having to be forced to constantly be together all the time, nonstop, 24-7 is, like, pretty major. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about, like, kind of this concept of reciprocity in relationships like mostly romantic relationships but also you know regular relationships right and whether that's a good useful assumption or like thing to aspire to yeah like know? whether it's a even a good value to consider while dating somebody right because i think my my uh baseline view on it was very much that you should not aspire to reciprocity because that leaves a lot of people out of like the realm of kind of being dateable because they would necessarily require so much more care and effort from their partner. Right. Because it's like saying like people who are depressed, people who are disabled, people who have like whatever X, Y, Z, like, you know, are, have way more needs than the average person. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something that I feel like anyone would really be comfortable saying. Right. right. Is that those people are not deserving of being in loving relationships because obviously that they are. Right. But you can't like, it, it, you know, you can't have an expectation of reciprocity in those types of scenarios. Yeah. I mean, because sometimes, like like you said, people just need higher levels of maintenance in some way. Right. Yeah. But then it's sort of like if you throw that out the window, does that leave you open to sort of like these feelings of resentment or feeling like exploited or whatever? If inevitably one person has a, like a lot more, is just doing a lot more work, is doing a lot more emotional labor, is like sacrificing more for the relationship or whatever, right? Yeah. So I just been thinking about that a lot because like I was like, oh, I'm gonna take this big step in my relationship, and then I'm like walking it back, and then I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm like, what is it? What does it mean? Right, exactly. And like, does this mean? And I think it's like nobody wants to be in a place in the relationship where they're like, oh, like, let's just tally up every single little thing. And like, you know, this what the person like owes you because. You yeah, did I mean, like, no, really right? no good can come from that. Really. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. But at the same time, right. It doesn't seem like there's any other way to have a balanced relationship. Right. Like without having at least a very loose desire for reciprocity right yeah. so that's like i'm just really i don't i don't really even have i don't think i've come down even on an answer to that really it's just something i've been like thinking through right i don't have a set like oh i really believe in reciprocity or i don't you know because like in my particular relationship it's like okay well i moved to philadelphia like how much does that count for does that mean that like you know <laughs> then because like ashley's definitely doing a lot of the emotional labor right but then it's sort of like, is it justified? Like, are we both okay with him doing more of the emotional labor because I like did this huge other thing and now it does not count because I'm like moving back and like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's like a whole issue. Right. And like, I think we would, a lot of angst would be avoided if we just didn't care about reciprocity, but at the same time, right. Like that's how a lot of people end up getting fucked because they don't care. Well, yeah, but then, like, you know, I was talking to Kristen about it, and Kristen's like, well, like, so much of what we consider to be, like, truly, um, I don't know, like, something that we, like, aspire to and kind of, like, look up to is giving to people without any expectation of uh, some getting something back, right? Because then that's actually, quote-unquote, altruistic, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, 
her mom has been taking care of her dad for the last 20 years. Right. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure her mom is back. like, you know, I'm sure her mom's kind of sick of it. Right. And like, yeah. And like when her dad dies, is her mom going to be like, damn, that was like 20 years of my life. Or yeah. Well, that's the thing though, is that, is that a mindset that is necessarily good or bad? Right. Because then like, I think the reciprocity principle is kind of what makes you feel shitty about it. But then that kind of goes back to our caretaking versus caregiving thing is like, actually like, do you feel like you get something out of like caring for another person or providing that emotional labor or whatever it is and that's like edifying for you as the giver right yeah i think that it's like i think it i think we're talking i think this scenario deals a lot with perfect world versus like human i don't want to say human flaws but like human nature you know and i think like in a perfect world you should be able you know, like, I think we would all want to, like, aspire to be these, like, kind of beings of service, especially as it relates to our partners and, and like, really, like, derive happiness, um, like, from making them happy, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. and, and then in relation of, like, what you're getting from it, like, as long as you're not being mistreated, I think in, a, in an ideal world, then it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, but I think a lot of it plays into what you consider to be mistreatment, right? Mm. <laughs> I think the expectation of reciprocity is, I think, often what defines whether or not people are happy or unhappy with a particular situation because they feel like it's not fair or whatever. If they if they do have this expectation of reciprocity, that I think frequently doesn't actually end up happening or coming to fruition, right? It's hard to actually have it be perfectly reciprocal. Yeah. Have you, have you heard the podcast, where should we begin with Esther Perel? I've heard of it, but I, I've, I've listened to, I think one episode in the car with, with Dana. She talks pretty slowly, right? She has kind of a relaxed voice, like very soothing voice. Yeah. And the shtick is that it's, they're just recordings of uh, couples therapy sessions that she, cause she's a, she's a therapist, right? And, um, I guess she, I, I didn't know anything about her before I listened to the podcast, but I guess she's like a pretty renowned therapist and like has some, like has a bunch of Ted talks about, and like a bunch of books about, you know, monogamy and like marriage and like what all those things mean or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, something that I found really interesting, I, I really like her podcast in general, but one thing that I really found interesting was that during her, one of her sessions, she was like therapizing. I don't know. She was giving therapy to uh, a lesbian married couple who had a child. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about a lot of things, but one of the things they were talking about was reciprocity and that um, one partner was more of like the quote unquote breadwinner and like, had the job that made a lot of money, but was like, but was like, you know, at work a lot, worked long hours, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the other partner was the primary caregiver of the child. And the, the issue that they were having was that like the, the working mom would come home and she'd want like time with her wife, you know, she'd want to like be able to spend time with her wife and like feel like she's getting that quality time. Mm And the uh, caregiving mom was like, well, you know, you come home from work as if I haven't been working the whole day. Like, I've been taking care of this child the whole day. And, like, I kind of want time to myself right now. Like, I would, my, like, the biggest act of service you could do for me would be to take the child off my hands for a couple of hours. And then, and then maybe we could talk about, like, going on a date at some point or, like, getting some hours together or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I think is relevant to this conversation that we're having is that Esther was sort of getting into the, like, is there any inherent positive or positives or negatives and there being like a primary parent Mm -hmm. um, and like, and like a background parent. And her shtick was like, no, it's not. In fact, it's pretty normal. But the thing that is important is that there's a conversation around like what, um, around like, like vocalizing what each party is doing Mm -hmm. and what they want and like what the expectation is. And I think that 
so for them it was like it was like yo um i really appreciate you taking care of this kid um so that i can go and work and do that thing that i like to do and then like on the other way around it's like yo i really appreciate you going to work so i can spend time with our child because i love our child um and so i guess that what i'm getting at is like it seems like reciprocity is also tied into what um our acts of service you know to the people in the actual relationship right you know like i think reciprocity can like can be a little less tangible than just you know you moving to um you moving to philadelphia and and then like asher does like blank blank and blank for you you know mm-hmm. and i th- i think that it, it's probably important to recognize the roles that are that people are playing in a relationship but i think that also that feels weird because people don't want to feel like they're boxed into like a certain role in their in their in their relationship you know yeah well it also i think relates uh, to you know like it's having a baseline expectation of reciprocity implies that things are measurable right the only way to like you know aspire to reciprocity is if you can you know reliably kind of quantify and compare things right Uh and like what's interesting is i was listening to this clip from the joe rogan show with i don't remember who it was it was tim something something but he was talking about this other guy who was his guest was talking about how he's like, this is the fundamental gripe that I have with uh, socialists and like leftists prioritizing equity versus equality. Right. Uh-huh. Because he was like, look, equality of opportunity is way more measurable. Right. In the sense that, you know, if you give everybody, you know, if everybody's in the same environment. Right. And is driving on the same roads and is like going to the same schools, like it's pretty clear it's clearer right to say what is equitable and what is or what is what is equality right right what the equality of opportunity is right however it's really really difficult if you're trying to look at something from an equity standpoint right at you know of being like okay let's assess everybody's like you know how whatever in that like you know picture that you always see of like the people watching the baseball game like how tall they are he's like being how tall you are is a measurable thing right and you know exactly how tall of a box or whatever to give those people right Right. yeah but like how much privilege someone has or how oppressed someone is or whatever is not a measurable thing right and so it's impossible to tell how big the boxes should really be if we're trying to take that kind of standpoint right yeah i think on a micro scale in terms of like on a couple by couple basis, mm-hmm. it, I think it becomes probably a lot more measurable than it seems like it could be. But the thing is that the barometers have to be set by the people, you know? Well, that's the thing is that like, you know, obviously from a societal standpoint, if you're trying to measure, okay, how much of a like, you know, disadvantage is like being black to any given person, right? It's definitely right. going to vary. And it's going to vary not only like based on whatever that, institution is trying to evaluate for those people right but it's obviously going to vary from person to person to person of those individuals right and even between a relationship right like it's going to vary how much like how much i value being like living in the same place is good that's like the fundamental issue right right is that i value it really differently <laughs> from the way that i but my partner does right yeah and like i even from like you know a polyamory standpoint that seems like even more fraught right because trying to maintain reciprocity with like multiple different people and you have like multiple axes that you have to kind of square. Right. It's already difficult trying to do that with one person. And if you have, I think an expectation of reciprocity, right. In a polyamorous relationship, that seems like it gets even harder because then you have to take into account many different people's values. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, I'm interested. I'm going to look this up in like the exact definition of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm thinking about, like if is it does it literally mean like for everything something someone else does you get something? It says the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit, especially priv- privileges granted by one country or organization to another. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I still kind of fall into the idea that, um, yeah, that the exchange that you're giving it doesn't have to be super literal. I don't know. I mean, like. I think that I fall back into like, like, I think that my role in both, in both my partnerships is, 
um, like, I think I, I play a really strong supportive role, you know, like talking people through shit, Mm -hmm. um, like giving advice or, um, things like that. I also think that I play a very strong, like logistical role and that I have a car, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like, I feel like if you try and get into the sort of like I'm exchanging like this car ride for this thing that you're doing, then it like, then that's not going to work. Yeah. But, because it's like, you're never like I, as somebody who doesn't have a car is never really going to be able to pay you back unless you figure out what is the exchange rate, between what's the exchange cars, rate? <laughs> like whatever baked goods, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, so I think that like in that way, rest, like the concept of reciprocity maybe isn't even that useful for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the concept of like role playing is maybe more useful. Well, but do you, have you like, have you experienced issues with this where like your partners kind of have this expectation of reciprocity and reciprocity and like, you know, you're coming from different places and you have different values and therefore it's like difficult to try to fulfill that expectation. Yeah, I think absolutely. I feel like that's a common, like, I feel like everybody has that, that expectation and especially in romantic relationships, not necessarily is true for yeah. regular friendships with people. Yeah. I think that like, a common one that I've gotten in the past is that I am, um, like, I'm like not as like emotive as some people might want, you know? So like someone is telling me a thing and, or, or that I'm like, I'm either, I'm not in the, like, if, if I'm in like trying to fix it mode and I should be in like listening mode, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. and um so and and then i do think it, at that point it was like it was like a this thing is just like lost in translation and i didn't perceive this as like you know a need or like something that's important right yeah um but then i just like changed it i guess you, like you became more emotive or you actively tried to like you know mitigate those things that people had issues with yeah like i think that like i talked to, i talked to the person that was like, like, yo, like I need, like, I need more emotion from you or I need you to like, listen and like, l- try and like, try and solve things less more. And then like, came up with like a loose, a very loose action plan about, about like how that would be done mm-hmm. and then just like did it. Okay. You know, I don't and know. It was not, it wasn't like difficult to do. It was just like, okay, it was very straightforward. Yeah. I think in that situation it wasn't difficult to do, but if it was something that was like, more fundamental to my personality than I imagine that would be very difficult, you know? Yeah. yeah. Can you think of any situations? Uh, like, I know you mentioned that like, like, you know, it's unclear, like how much like moving to Philly is worth in your relationship yeah, I or mean, whatever. That's really, but like for me, living together is not that valuable. Like I don't care very much about it. In fact, I really like value having independence. And so it's, it's definitely something that for me is a compromise. Right. And it's like, you know, I would actually probably prefer not to live together. Right. But, you know, so it's the kind of thing where it's like, but it's impossible to figure out, like, where does one value that? Right. Because if Asher were to do it for me, he he does value it. So it wouldn't be as much of a big deal. Right. And it's like I would. And another example is like when you're talking about, like, you know, the emotionality thing. I definitely think that from a, a more of a micro scale, like. I am definitely a more, I'm way more able to cry and be emotional and like that kind of thing. And so like, we've talked a lot about how, like when I am like upset about something, right. Versus when Asher is upset about something, right. Because both of us kind of like culturally and socially kind of weigh those types of like shows of emotion more, right. Then it seems like my issues tend to get weighted more in our relationship, despite the fact that Asher like, probably experiences that same level of emotionality but isn't able to express it in the same way right it's like harder for him to cry it's like harder for him to like you know express in the same way it's like it is that is like super easy it comes very naturally for me right yeah i think that's probably a really common like hetero Hetero relationship thing yeah yeah because also yeah same here like very much like and it doesn't i don't this doesn't feel like something that bothers me Mm -hmm. but like because yeah because i think i'm less emotive and or like essentially the only way that someone's going to know something's wrong with me is probably just like if I tell them, mm-hmm. you know, right. Um, 
or like, you know, if I'm being like more quiet than usual or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that like that inevitably does lead to like the person that is better at showing emotions or like the person that's more emotive does end up getting like more of that emotional attention. But do you feel like that's kind of like unfair or like in some way like it is not kind of like the way that it should be if we had our ideal world? Um, I don't know. I mean, I hesitate to say it's unfair because well, I mean, it's just it's like it's just like a byproduct of like toxic masculinity, whatever, whatever. Right? Yeah. And I think that like in the sense that like toxic masculinity is unfair to everybody, then like, yeah, it's unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that. I think it's probably pretty fixable though. Mm-hmm. Like for, I think that for me, it's like, all right, it's like, it's like a mental or it's taking a mental shift from like, cause t- like typically the de facto behavior for me in my mind is like, Oh, you know, I'm like, I'm sad or upset about this thing. Like, let me just like work, work through it. And then like, we'll be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think for, me it was like taking the extra step of like telling my partner like yo i'm feeling like shit or whatever mm-hmm. um and i think that even i tended to even do that if the thing that was annoying me was like something that my partner was doing or something that was like that thing that was making me sad you know mm-hmm. and um because it's still like a sign of weakness to admit that someone has bothered you in some way <laughs> or whatever um but i think that like coming back to like the reciprocity thing in that situation, I had to kind of like realize that like my partner wanting, like wanted to be able to like be in tune with those feelings of mine. And that was like a way that like, she was like showing service, you know? Yeah. And I think that for less, yeah, for, for less emotive or like maybe less quote unquote emotional people, like it's easier to be very like literal with reciprocity, right? Like giving you this thing or doing this thing or like, you know, showing up, quote unquote. Yeah. That's hard though. Reciprocity is weird. I don't like, I think it's just like, it's all about like setting clear expectations and then meeting them. Yeah. But then it's a question of like, when you really like, you know, are coming from like, I don't, I feel like most I would posit that probably in most relationships, you're never going to have a perfectly aligned vision of what your ideal romantic situation is, right? Yeah. Maybe that's less true because, like, for for other people who are not in our types of environments, because they're less bought into kind of like, uh, you know, this alternative kind of like make it whatever you want kind of thing, and they're more bought into okay, there's like a very strict script, and we're happy to stick with it. Maybe in those situations, people are more likely to have exactly the same vision of like, okay, let's get married and have kids or whatever. Uh Right. But I think even then, right. Like the kinds of things I'm talking about aren't even on that level of like, you know, Oh, I want kids or I don't. Right. They're more on the level of like, how much sex do you want? Right. And Mm -hmm. like, what are something like that? Or how emotional is it? And like, those are the types of things that are like, I'm sure in all, you know, in all types of relationships, not just like, you know, the alternative versus the traditional ones. Right. Yeah. And I think when you start like, when you start like thinking about how some things that like could be considered an act of reciprocity for one person might just be something that the other person like doesn't enjoy doing or doesn't want to do in the moment, like sex or whatever. Yeah. You know, um, like that's when it gets like real, real tricky. Yeah. Um, it's literally like, you know, once you start comparing it, everything is apples to oranges, right? It's like, you know, one person's desire to live together or like, you know, like, you know, moving to another city worth like, you know, 10 sex when you don't actually want to have sex. Like what? (laughs) Right. Like, what does that even mean? 10, 10 sex when you don't want to have sex. (laughs) 10 instances. I don't know, man. Um, This is like, (laughs) this is like when the cynical part of me is like, dude, it probably is just easier to like never, be in a relationship i guess because <laughs> like it's just so hard to kind of like walk that balance right without somebody feeling like they're lacking something yeah it's really weird because i think your baseline expectation for what you want when you're in a relationship versus when you're not in a relationship is so different right because like i feel like it would be so much better if i just thought about it in terms of this mindset of like oh you know well if i compared my experience 
in a relationship to my experience not being in a relationship, I get all these great things, right? I get intimacy, yeah. I get sex, whatever, whatever, <laughs> right? Everything should be awesome, right? But you don't compare it to that. You compare it to like your ideal, okay, if I had my perfect romantic relationship, I think that's what everyone compares it to, right? They're like, okay, well, let me try to like as, envision the best possible situation I have for myself and how is this relationship not like matching up to that? Yeah, I right? think that, and that's probably, <laughs> it probably would be, yeah, just better and result in more net happiest, happiness if everyone was just like, let me think about how I felt when I was single. Yeah, <laughs> like, and like that's your baseline. Yeah, but it's not. And like, I, right. I think, I, and uh, maybe human beings just like become accustomed to a new normal really, really quickly. I don't know. Um, because like, I feel like in that framework, almost any issue that I could have with my partners would just like dissolve because I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I would <laughs> I'd much rather be in this relationship than not, you know? Yeah, but then it sort of becomes this like you look at the classic, you know, like husband and wife, like fighting scenarios where mm -hmm. they're like fighting over kind of like. And it's and it's years of doing that. Right? Probably it's years of like being like, well, I guess I'm happy to be here. Yeah, but then, like, you know, when you look at relationships that have been around for, like, 10 years and they're fighting about, like, who's doing the dishes or something, right? You're like, oh, this is so petty. Like, why why care about these, like, tiny little things when, like, you know, you have this whatever, like, amazing romantic relationship, right? And then, like, why let it kind of be degraded by this kind of, like, minutia, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, it becomes, like, such a high stakes thing, right? I think especially when you prescribed to the notion of like you know the traditional we're going to live together forever right because then you look at this like in the entire rest of your life and it looks like this really daunting like oh shit am i gonna be pissed about the dishes the rest of my life <laughs> right like yeah. you're just like your expectations your reality really like you know just shifts in this way once you start thinking about things in a long-term way which is why i think that like normal friendships don't necessarily like have these types of problems right is because you're not thinking about like every single one of your friendships whenever they like someone fucks up you're like oh shit they're gonna be fucking up forever because we're gonna be best friends forever whatever right yeah but do you think that that could be ramified by just like switching the lens and like not expecting your romantic relationships to last forever i mean maybe but it's also like very difficult to do that because i think it a it's like a super cynical thing to do because it's like you're 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 framing everything and the way you're thinking about it in terms of, okay, how can I like protect myself the most? Right. right? Yeah. And I don't think that people, that doesn't sound romantic, right? Like I think the whole point of it being romantic is that you're like putting yourself in this very vulnerable place with another person. Yeah. Right. And not always being super guarded. Yeah. Right? It's like literally the point. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I was talking to one of my partners about this a couple of days ago, actually, yeah. about how, like, I do, you know, I think one of the remnants of things that have happened to me in the past is that I do feel like I'm, I'm still always like trying to like bracing or prepping for somebody to leave, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I don't think that I'm doing that in a way that closes me off emotionally. You know, I think it's, it's definitely like a self-protection mechanism, but I think that the mechanism in my head is like, this is really nice and like, enjoy it while it's here. But like when it, when it eventually does leave, cause I do think that like, I, I'm in the camp of like, everything is going to end eventually. Like mm -hmm. it's easier for me to think in that way than like hope that my relationships are in like, you know, the like my new percentage of relationships that like make it quote unquote, whatever make it means, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like, while, like, whilst I definitely am, like, trying to um, be prepared for, you know, like, emotionally for someone to leave for whatever reason, I don't think that, like, is taking away from my ability to, like, be present and, like, you know, be, like, sort of vulnerable and giving in the moment, you know? Yeah. But I don't I know. I think that's a mindset that's basically like only enabled by not having any particular like long-term goal that you see as being a part of your vision of an ideal relationship that's that's for right? goddamn sure because <laughs> <laughs> like, if you were trying to have kids you, that you couldn't really have that mindset right like kids i think everyone would probably agree would would be better off being in a stable relationship that lasted a long time rather than always like fearing whether their parents are gonna like you know break yeah, that moment that right? was another thing that i was like Literally, me and my partner were also like, this is, I think this is a logical step for like that frame of thinking is like, okay, what do you like? You know, kids need permanence. Like, the kids are a permanent thing. 
And I'm someone that wants to adopt children. So I feel like it's even more important for adopted kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. And, but then I think it's like, okay, then you have to like, if we're going to be untraditional, then we have to like really, really lean into like the untraditionalness of it. And then be like, I, I'm cool. Like, obviously if, you know, me and this child's mother or me and this child's adopted mother, whatever, um, like that is a, 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 like a for life bond. Like they're going to be around in some capacity forever. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, that still doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to be like romantically compatible for a long time. And I feel like I, as a, as a human, like wholly embrace the idea of co-parenting. Right. And, um, co-parenting you're saying with a non necessarily like with potentially a platonic partner. Yeah. You know, and like, and being open to the idea that like, you know, it's very possible that me and this child's mother will like might go from romantic to non-romantic. Um, but I, I would be lying if I said that the idea of like any kind of like forever relationship isn't like intimidating to me. Cause it is. Yeah. I don't know. Do you feel, do you feel like intimidated by like the idea of forever quote unquote? Well, it's definitely something that I don't feel intimidated from a standpoint of like, I guess it depends on like what I think what element that you're talking about. Right. I don't necessarily feel weird about like, oh, I'm going to get bored of this person or we're going to like fall out of love or whatever, because I do think it's the kind of thing where like you don't I don't know. You don't feel like you do that with your friends. Right. I think that's also like basically a function of what is your baseline expectation, right? Is your baseline expectation or of like your romantic relationship that you will be like passionately in love for a long time? Because I think if that's the case, then, you know, and that's what you want actually, you know, your romantic relationships to look like, then you definitely should kind of plan for them to be short lived or whatever. Because if you're constantly kind of chasing that like novelty, like experience of like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. Right. And that's something you really value then like for sure. I don't necessarily value that though. So it's the kind of thing where like I definitely do think that I could be in a long term relationship that like, you know, doesn't have the, you know, that is kind of has this like forever sense. But I do definitely feel like then it gets really hairy because you have to then like go down your list of like, okay, here are the things that I kind of need out of that type of long-term relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that with your partner. And then for anything that doesn't like reconcile, then you have to make some pretty big like cost benefit analysis of like, is this, is this like relationship worth me changing a pretty fundamental part of my personality? Yeah. Right. And that's like a really, really, really difficult. I don't think that like, I don't think that's that's something that like age can necessarily give you. I don't think that you could become older and wiser and suddenly you'd be able to figure that kind of thing out. No, I don't think, I don't think there's like a a hard and fast rule for it. And I think that the one, like the, (laughs) like the eternal question that I will always struggle with is like as a polyamorous, as a polyamorous, as a polyamorous human, especially, um, when you're like doing that mental checklist and like rolling and like rolling through your boxes and like you find one, like, is this, is this a compromise that I can make for a long time? You know, I think that they're like often both options suck and there's really no way to tell which one would be better. So you just kind of have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And And like, and I mean, like some, some options are really easy, right? Like if this person is like physically or emotionally abusing you, then like, yeah, you should probably leave, right? Like that probably won't be like the way you want to live your life. But what if it's like, you know, like you were saying, like this person never does the fucking dishes. Like no matter how much I ask them, they will never do the dishes, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> how do I tell if I should get out of here over dishes? Right. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it feels, it, the whole thing kind of feels like paradoxical. Um. Because, you know, like you're trying to foreshadow for the future um, and it's really hard and almost impossible. But, but like people, a lot of people really, really want that forever security. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it often means like overlooking these things that might blow up in the future. But like, I don't know, whatever. Relationships yeah. are weird. And I, really weird. I have a friend who literally was like, you know, about to get married and they kind of called off their wedding and they're like, OK, let's kind of like 
quote unquote like downgrade our relationship because we both really really want different things you know like one of them wants to be in dc one of them wants to be in richmond right and they're like there's some like pretty irreconcilable things here and i feel very 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 strongly about you know my side of that kind of irreconcilable thing and both of them feel that way so it's kind of like what do you do now yeah you just you you become i think you, you become more comfortable with the idea that this person you know that like yeah you maybe you shouldn't marry this human but you can be with them in some other capacity <laughs> I yeah guess. And that's the thing is now they're trying to figure out okay like we do we both kind of want to like quote unquote downgrade this relationship but then we are trying to forge this like kind of thing that we haven't ever really seen any models for is like what do you do after you decide not to get married but you still want to be in a happy loving relationship with each other yeah you it's know? really 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 hard to step back yeah like once like Everything feels like it's this train going forward. And then once you've gotten there, that's like past the point of no return. Yeah. And every single moment feels like a point of no return, you know? Yeah. But like you and I both know like at least one couple that like, oh, well, and you're going to be now one of these couples that like moved in together and then moved out. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, like, how is that? You consider that to be a damning thing, right? Yeah. Like literally even just like, um, you know, our friend's landlord, right, was getting rid of their house, right, because they had just married and, like, moved in together, and they realized that, oh, fuck, we can't live together at all. We're so incompatible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And then it's, like, for them, it was kind of, like, oh, I guess we, you know, they just broke up and we have to not be in a relationship. But, like, for people who decide that that's not necessarily going to be damning, where do you take that, right? Is there, because now they still literally co-own a house together, you know, and stuff like that. So, it's just funny because like how do you, like i don't think that there's very many examples in our society of like people who've like had those types of like downgrades right but then you you see a model of how you can actually still make it work right yeah oftentimes when like when we like talk about you know like modern relationships it really feels like <laughs> when i'm when i'm like reading a research paper and like they always highlight somewhere in the paper like things that need more research and I feel like like any way, like essentially any way of like being together that isn't like the conventional linear way just needs more research because we haven't given it any like any thought as a society. Yeah. And I bet <laughs> there are plenty of people who have. It's just that it's not really like out there for people to consume. It's not like given any kind of exposure because I'm sure it's like not uncommon for that kind of thing to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe, maybe it, it is. is. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it is. Because like, I mean... I know I know one and now two and you're the second one of yeah. a couple that's like taking a step back from a step that they took and like it not be a death sentence. Yeah, and it's sort of like even even for your friendships, right? You can you know move somewhere, right? Leave your friends behind, and then like you know, there's probably a plenty of friends where you're just like, oh yeah, I've been talking to them in like years, right? Yeah, and it's not considered this death knell of okay, you're never gonna be friends again. Right. Yeah. And it's like, like if forever, if for whatever reason I moved back into the city, we'd probably be really good friends again. Totally. Right. But you can't treat relationships like that. For <laughs> reason, right. You can't just be like, oh, well, actually, I'm actually going to move over here. But you know what? We'll pick our romantic relationship back up when I come back. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because 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 monogamy. <laughs> right. But it's, it's not even just specifically about monogamy. I mean, it's, I guess it's it's. It's part of the larger umbrella of monogamy culture. Yeah. Because monogamy culture comes with all these other expectations that are not just, oh, we'll be partners like exclusively. Mm. But it is part of this like kind of monogamy culture thing where you're just like, yeah, like it's it's got to be this one continuous thing. I mean, and if it's not, then it's like, okay, you broke up and then you got back together. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> have you you never broken up and gone back together have you no that's never happened to me i have and you you i think you basically think it's a bad idea i uh, yeah right <laughs> it's just like if things if yeah for me it's like if things got to that point where you yeah. like one of you thought that you couldn't do it mm-hmm. and the problem that brought you there isn't like i think explicitly solved yeah like before you get back together then like you shouldn't do it yeah right and then you also hear about people like taking a break and then whenever you hear that word you always know it means that they're just pre-broken up yeah they're just know? like or we're, we're broken up like, yeah. that's all, that's the thing is, like you can't i mean you should there should i think be a viable option for you to be like oh 
I want to take a break from this romantic relationship, but then we can actually literally come back and like still be perfectly fine and we're good, right? We just needed to literally be like have a break from each other because you can yeah. totally do that with your friends. You, know? <laughs> you definitely like, can. If you, I want to break from a particular person, right? I can. I don't even have to say anything. It's not even like a no, formal you, thing. You I can just you can just not ask them to hang out for a little bit. Exactly, and then like we we hang out again, and it's totally fine. <laughs> um it's like yeah every every relationship should have the uh like the rumspring of that like the that couple did in this american life have you heard that episode no what is it oh it's essentially like these do you know what a rumspring is i it's like an amish thing right where you do a little test like before you get married or whatever it's like an amish thing where like the i think i think it's when you turn 18 i can't remember when you become an adult you leave the community for like nine months or a year or something like that. And you go into like regular society and then you like make the choice of whether or not you want to come back to where you were before. And this couple on a, this American life episode, they had been together for like nine years and they were going to get married. And, but they had never, neither of them had ever been with anybody else. And they were like, like, you know what, like, we want to make sure that this is what we want. So they, they broke up for a predetermined 30 days. And that's not very long at all to figure that out. It's not. And that's why it came to the end of the 30 days. And they both mutually agreed that they wanted to extend it for another 30 days. And then they, and then they extended it for another 30 days. And then at the end of it, they decide not that they don't want to be together anymore. (laughs) But did they actually were they actually able to like date other people and stuff in that? Like, yeah, I mean, like ninety day period. I think they both did their things like differently. I think that it, the story was told from his perspective because he was the one that was like narrating the episode. Okay. And she didn't. She didn't want to give like interviews for the episode. Um, but he says that like from his perspective, he would like he didn't know really how to date. Um. Because so for those first 30 days, they were it kind of felt like he was like spinning his tires. I think he ended up hooking up with one person. And then after he hooked up with that person, he um, he uh, he like told her that like he loved her or something like that, because that's what he thought you're supposed to do. Um, And so at the end of the 30 days for him, it kind of felt like it was like incomplete and he wanted more time, whatever, whatever. Um, But anyways, um. They, yeah, like they do it for three months and end up and end up deciding that they don't want to be together anymore. But I feel like, um, I feel like, like if we could like institutionalize that kind of thing, but on a regular basis and maybe not in the same like maybe not maybe it's not like we get to like not be in a couple. Maybe it's like, you know, we have like a couple check in every like periodically, um, you know, quarterly or monthly or whatever to talk about like how we feel about our status and like, is it still working for us? Then like maybe things would go a lot better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think it's just hard to do that when you're in it. Right. I think that I like the idea of what they did because it kind of gives you more perspective. Yeah. And they full yeah. ass like didn't talk to, they were like, oh, really? Yeah. They were like, we're not going to like be texting, calling each other. Like we're going to, like we would be for like all intents all intents and purposes broken up. Wow, that's like very admirable because I feel like it's difficult to do if you, especially if you've been dating someone for nine for nine years. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if either of them had an inclination of how it would go. You know, like well, do you think that's like kind of the impetus behind why they decided to do it in the first place? Is like that's that's what I'm wondering. Is like, it like that's the only way for you to propose something like that is if you have some doubts, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that they both had doubts, um, but I don't know. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if I then like expected that like at the end of this, that they weren't going to want to get married anymore. Yeah. But they full ass didn't get married, dude. Rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, maybe that would happen to like wait tons of couples if they decide to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. I do think right? that they, as I'm recalling the episode, I do think that they set a, a boundary on like what kind of relationships they could have. I think that they did like the whole, I think, I think they said that like you couldn't fully date somebody else. Like you could like, you could like 
smash and like go on dates and like hang out with people, but you couldn't like start a relationship with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think this could be this could be completely wrong, but I'm I think that she by the end of it was fully dating somebody else, and oh, okay. like and he had a thing with somebody that was like consistent. He was like virtually dating somebody else, but like they hadn't made it official, you know? Yeah. So, and it was like, and it was like, yeah, like do, I don't think either of us thought that or think that these new people are going to be the people that like we marry or that we're going to end up loving this person more than we love, you know, the people we're going to get married to, but like, you know, it just didn't feel right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, maybe if everyone did that, they would just be like, oh, like it never feels right. You know? Yeah. And like that would suck for them if they were somebody who's really committed to that vision of, you know, your happily wedded life. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it, I because I'm not wedded to that, I feel like it makes my life both easier because I can like, you know, do more of like decide what I want but then also like way harder because making those decisions is really hard and also kind of arbitrary because like it's all really uncertain until you actually do something right yeah and I think that like as we've, I think we've talked about this before on the pod but if you're coming into um like if you are someone that like is kind of quote-unquote liberated in your like way of dating and like you like you know you want to have these check-ins or, or like you want to like you know, talk frequently about whether or not you still want to be together with a person. It can be, I think, kind of alienating because that's not the standard for people, right? Yeah. And people might just like not might like think that you're always like in a place of doubt or you like don't have confidence in like this per like you know the relationship with this person. But like maintenance is a good idea generally. But I don't know. Like maybe that is true, right? Because maybe if you are constantly bringing up things about your relationship that you're unhappy with or whatever in a way that if you had this fundamental sense of like, okay, but we're going to be together forever. So obviously we're going to work through it. Maybe that makes you more able to work through those problems that you have than if you you do feel like there's a, you know, constantly this opportunity or you're kind of in this state of flux where there's like always, you know, this, this possibility that you're going to either like downgrade or break up or whatever it is yeah in that um in that relationship anarchist thing that or that podcast that Kristen sent us Mm -hmm. um uh one thing that they recommended was like yeah yes like institutionalizing a like weekly or bi-weekly check-in with your partner yeah and like making that the thing from the start and like talking in those check-ins like really not being afraid to talk about like yo, like last Monday you did this, did this thing and it like really hurt or like it like bothered me and like, and like, you know, I just want to talk through it right now. And like, like this like idea of like over communicating once every week and a half or so. Yeah. Which sounds like but a lot of work. It does sound like a lot of work. And I also do think that over communicating is a real thing. I think you definitely can communicate. hundred percent. Especially, right? and this is the hard part. Like you were saying, it's like sometimes over communicating is just a sign of real insecurity. It's like, you know, like, it's like I'm overthinking everything that's happening because I'm not like, I don't feel like this is a secure bond that we have or whatever. Well, yeah. And if there's like this part of my personality that you dislike and you're constantly bringing it up, like, I think the assumption of the communication is the outcome is I'll then change that thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But like, what if you genuinely just don't want to change that thing? Yeah, that's real. You know? And then it's just sort of like that, I think, is where like deciding, like negotiating where you're going to actually feel comfortable changing and where you're not. That's, I think, the part that makes it really sticky and like difficult, because like if you both have a lot of things that you're really not willing to compromise on, then it's sort of like, what is the point of doing all that communication? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, if the communication is just bringing you into the same stopgap then I think you might just need to break up. I think that's how you know you break. You need to break up, right? Or you need to just, like, decide not to care about that thing. Oh, yeah, or, like, right? one of you has to stop caring, yeah. you know? Like, I had – this reminds me of a couple who I'm afraid to talk about. I don't think they listen to the pod, but, <laughs> but like, like, the dude was, like, always – like, he knew – that he was looking for a longer term, like, you know, marriage settling down thing than the lady was. 
is that he was like always checking in to be like, are we good? Like, what's up? Like, you know, like you seem like maybe a little bothered right now. Like, are we, what's going on? And like, it'd be like, she'd be like, yo, I had a long day at work and I don't feel like talking that much, but like, I'd like to hang out with you. Like, can we just do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, and she perceives it as like, yo, this dude's kind of self-centered because he's always asking like, if the way I feel has something to do with him, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. in, in his mind, he's like, he's like, damn, this girl like is like preparing to break up with me. I just don't know when, and I don't want to be blindsided. Yeah, it's just like a fundamental insecurity thing. Yeah, they're still together though, so I got hope they're doing well. But that's the thing is that like you, the the basically the element of whether or not your vision of the perfect romantic relationship aligns with that other person has literally nothing to do whether you experience a strong like romantic emotional connection with another person and that's usually not what you're selecting for at the beginning of a relationship that you have no idea where it's going to go if it's going to end up being a super long-term relationship or not right yeah man that's like a huge problem (laughs) it's really hard and it's like and it's just weird and clinical to go around being like okay well okay like on the first date like this is what i want you know like i i want to have kids you know i want to have a dog blah 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 blah, right right and i think we know people that like are overly selective like that and are still single because of it, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, instead of being this kind of casual, like happy-go-lucky kind of like, okay, if I have a connection with this person, whatever, yeah. then it's or sick. even or even like legit, like the date was like was like fine to good, like nothing really offendedly. Let me give it a second shot to see how it goes again. Yeah. You know, like I think that yeah, like we're not down with the slow burn mm-hmm. and. Like sometimes like people are just okay when you meet them. And then like five dates later, they're like, oh, this person's dope. I would, I would date this person. Yeah. Um, or whatever. But like, you know, you can't like, it feels weird to say that about like, you know, someone or like a partner or anything like that, that like, cause it's like, yo, I wasn't that into you in the beginning, but now I think, I think you're lit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you don't have to say that. <laughs> right? I guess not. Just know that for yourself. <laughs> Just know that. <laughs> is there, well, I know you don't, Isabel, you don't really care about food, but is there any food that you're like really missing in quarantine because, because you can't make it or because you can't buy it somewhere? Well, I've been really, we've only been shopping at Costco because we've been trying to minimize our runs to the grocery store. And I've been really craving like ramen and like Asian food. Oh, dude. Same. Yeah. Some good ass fucking ramen or pho. Yeah. Because like even I feel like getting getting to go Asian soups, like it's like it's just not the same. Like it's good, but like it's it's not the same as like when it's piping hot out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. like just assembled yeah you know um yeah dude uh quarantine sucks I, i'm still hating it in case anyone was wondering yeah. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still having a bad time yeah definitely um okay well uh as always if you heard anything you liked or you hated or anything that uh you want to ask us about hit us up at i'm the villain pod that's our handle at twitter or on instagram also our gmail account Um, otherwise, bye.